0: happy Easter everyone how are you all it is so good to see you all here as we celebrate a risen Savior I heard Anthony a little while ago say that we have a tradition here we say he is risen risen we believe that with all of our hearts it is our tradition here at this church basically that we do not celebrate Easter just this day but we celebrate it oh I can see you all For those of you that are visiting, I wear a suit all the time. I want you to know that. Oh, wait. For those that are laughing, just told you I lied to you. I thought I'd uh, spruce myself up a little bit and, um, and, and wish you a very wonderful and happy Easter. We celebrate here Easter all year long. We believe in the risen Savior every day of our lives. It is the very essence of why we draw breath, as a matter of fact. And so, we are going to uh, share with you what is the most important thing to us, and that is uh, this relationship that we have with Christ. And, and for some people, they think, boy, you Christians, you, you just think you have everything. The truth of the matter is, that is anything but the truth. We Christians realize that we have very little if nothing apart from our savior we believe that we are well you're going to see today we believe that we are sinners saved by the grace of god and once we come to christ doesn't mean that we're perfect we mean it really means that he's perfect and we've placed all of our faith and all of our trust in this risen savior this day to us is monumental because it, it says everything to which what we believe. It is the very essence. Just, just text uh, uh It is the very essence of, of everything that we believe as, as, uh, as people, that, that we have a risen Savior. If you were here Friday, we had a Good Friday service. It was spectacular. Rob Selleck is just an amazing uh, preacher of the Word of God. He's an amazing storyteller, told this story about this, this uh, child named Ben who um, was in a terrible, terrible accident and his family came to the scene of the crime and there was blood all over the place. And, and, and he shared with us how, how important it is, the blood of Christ that he shed for our forgiveness, your forgiveness, for the forgiveness of this great world in which we live. And, and he made mention how his family saw this scene, and it was just horrendous. And, and they, they saw his blood laying there, and, and the mother made the statement she never saw so much blood, and, and what, what she wanted to do was to gather it and put it back in his body so that he might have life. And it, it dawned on her the importance of the blood of a person. And then they saw, as Rob explained it, the blood flowed out into the highway and cars were driving over their son's blood. And, um, and he talked about how we trample underfoot our Lord and what he has done for us. Well, we're very serious, as you can almost tell, maybe right now, about this time of the year. Um, we celebrate Easter with you. And we believe that he has truly risen indeed. Now, normally, uh, and I will try to figure out where are we going to, where are we going to speak? What's going to be the topic? Of course it's going to be Easter. Of course it's going to be the cross. And he has risen from the dead. But my trouble usually is I like to preach the Bible word upon word, line upon line. I don't like to kind of find just one certain text and jump on it and, and, and present it without understanding what has been going on around it. And so we study the Bible here uh, line upon line. We start a book and we go through the whole book. By that, I'm not the whole book of the Bible. We this, this case, we're in the book of Romans. And we, we happened to stop on the seventh chapter last week. And so if you have a Bible, and I don't know if we have Bibles here in the pews, which, by the way, I was just texted by uh, Pastor Dan that, that we're moving really closer. And really close to getting our building, we have a, a church that uh, we're, we're we're thinking of purchasing. Well, we're more than thinking; we're we're involved in purchasing this building. It's uh, it's over by uh, the festival center, whereas by the 91 freeway and um, and and Weir Canyon, Weir Canyon, Yorba Linda Boulevard, and the festival center is where the, there's a target in there, and and the building that we might purchase is a stone's throw from that target building. It actually, can hit Bert. Bert, my God, I haven't seen you in ages. How good to see you. Man, oh man, oh man. How have you been? I love this man. He is a prayer warrior. He has been a prayer warrior for our church since the day I met him. He has covered me with prayers always. God bless you, Bert. It is nice to see you. So nice to see you. Forgive me. That's what's good about being in church, you know. People come and see you and and it's a... well, it comes to be with the Lord, not to see me so much, but it is so, so good to see him. And uh, I saw another couple last night that, that were visiting. So this church is just a stone's throw from, from the Target building. If we threw a stone from the building, we could see it. It's, right now, the church is called Light of the Canyon, and um, we're hoping to be in there soon. And so for those of you visiting, that's where we're going to make our home if everything goes well. If not, we'll be here, and uh, we'd love to have you come back. Now, as I was saying, we've been in the book of Romans. If you have a Bible, I don't think that there's one in the, in the chair in front of you, so we're going to rem- remedy that someday, and uh, um, hopefully soon, and, and so that everyone can have a Bible. Because what you don't want to do is to get my idea on, um, on your religion. You don't want to get what, uh, what I think. You want to get what the Lord thinks. You want to be able to see the Bible, you want to be able to see the Bible, so that it may speak to you. Friday I was, um, I was in church here, it's one of the few times I get to sit in church and, and be preached at, and it was fantastic, I, I, just, I just ate it up like, like ice cream, it was just so good to sit there. I was right about over where you folks are by the bricks. I was right up, Kay and I were approximately in that area. And, and, uh, and she said one time, I frightened her because I put my arm around her. And, and, and she says, normally man doesn't do that in church. I'm always up here. And I said, well, that's good. That's good that someone. <laughs> oh, the Hoppies are here too. Look at there. This is awesome. Wow. I love this young man. I married them. That's, there's their, that's the result. I married them. That's their family and uh, their beautiful children. Oh my gosh. This is great. This is why you come to church, folks. We can enjoy one another and, and get to see friends and, and to encourage one another as we just uh, worship the Lord together. So we're in uh, Romans. Is that No, I was sitting with my wife. <laughs> that's where it was. And, uh, and it just dawned on me how. How much of a joy it is just to sit there and have somebody teach you something. But what was important to me is that I had my Bible. And I was watching and reading what he was saying out of Scripture. And I was, I was making it real to me, not to the congregation. It was being preached to me, and it was, it was real to me. And that's what I want from you I don't want necessarily you to hear my words. In fact, you'll hear in a moment, I pray and I pray almost every week that I preach that that I would be hidden and that you might hear the very voice of God in your own heart of hearts. Because I believe deep within my soul that a person will be moved when they sense that God is speaking at them or to them, not me. You don't want to know my philosophy? You want to know what the Bible has to say, you want to know what the Lord is saying to you about Himself, so that when you make a decision for Him, you, you believe what you've just determined in your heart to be true. And we would love to foster that truth, and that's why we do what we do here. We, we do study the Bible, word upon word, line upon line. We don't duck and hide from difficult passages. And when we know what we know, we say we know it. And when we don't know it, we say we're not sure. We need to study more so we can find out what does it mean to us. We want to be honest and true so that you have a real, true understanding of what you believe. So that when you walk out the door, you have a sense of knowing what you believe in. So we're in the seventh chapter of the book of Romans. And we come to the spot... where Paul is writing this. Now, for those of you that are visiting, Paul has written most of the New Testament. Paul is an apostle's an apostle. He is, he is one of my heroes in the Bible because of, well, the reading of, of what he has written in there has, has formulated my life. He has changed my life, and I can't wait to see him one day in heaven. Now, that's another thing. I know that a lot of people that don't believe think, oh, you Christians, you you think you're perfect. You're going to heaven. You know you're going to heaven. I think after this message, you're going to know why I believe I'm going to heaven. Not because of who I am. Trust me, it's not because of who I am. It's because of whom I believe in. Jesus Christ has (laughs) promised you and me that we may go to be with him forever in heaven. And I look forward some day to just taking a look at Paul. Like everybody that knows me here knows that I I don't want to speak to him. I would be nervous as I'll get out. It would be like meeting Babe Ruth finally, you know. I I wouldn't want to speak to him. He's a little bit better than Babe Ruth. That was a bad, that was a real bad example. I mean, mean, Paul said, you've compared me with the Babe? (laughs) Jeez just in wanting to meet him, that's all. But I want to meet him. But um, it is him that I want you to understand. I want you to know that you can believe and trust in Christ and that you can have everlasting life. And it won't make you any more special than the next person that is walking the face of this earth. It just means that you have trusted and believed in the one who can give you everlasting life. And so in the end of... The seventh chapter of Romans, Paul utters these words in verse 24. Now you've got to remember, Paul is the man amongst men as far as writing the Bible is concerned. He's written most of it. And he utters these words, Wretched man that I am. He is basically saying, I am a sinner. That's the truth of all of us. We've learned within scripture that none of us is righteous. No, not one of us. Wretched man that I am. And then he asks a rhetorical question. Who will set me free from this body of death? Death doesn't mean physical death there. He's talking about a death that is a separation, spiritual separation from God. Who will set me free? Well, he had the answer. It was already written out in verse 25, Thanks be to God. Let me make sure I got it right. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul answers the rhetorical question of wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death by saying, It has been done. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, His Son, our Lord, and our Savior. And he tells everyone who will listen that there is now no condemnation. That word means no no legal course of action that can be taken against you. No condemnation for those who are, what? in Christ Jesus. It's the most important thing you'll ever hear. Most important. I want to pray with you, please, before we begin all of this now. Lord, I, uh, I ask your blessings. Thank you for the music. Thank you for the the opportunity to sing and to raise our uh, lift our voices unto heaven and and to praise you regardless of what our voices may sound like it is our hearts that are reaching up to you and and saying thank you. Thank you for not only dying on the cross for our sin but being resurrected raising yourself from the dead never to die again and to give you say in scripture to all of us who would just believe in you you would give us everlasting life as well that we would never have to spiritually Die, not be separated from you ever again. Oh, Father, what a great privilege to know you, to to be able to come to you in prayer. Now I pray, Father, that you would open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law and that you would move me aside. Dear Father, please, take me out of the picture, so to speak. Let us hear your words, what you would say to each of us individually, wherever it is that we are at, whether we are the have believed in you and trusted in you for 50 years, or whether we've been dragged here by a family member and, and we've never, ever made a decision for you one way or the other, not even knowing that we had to. Would you touch us, Father? I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. After Paul says, wretched man that I am, who's going to set me free from this body of death? He answers it. He says, thanks be to God. This has been done through him, through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, the next four verses, it's a bad, it's a bad uh, division to move from chapter 7 to chapter 8. They really flow right next to one another Chapter 8 starts by saying, There is therefore now no condemnation, meaning there is no legal blame from God, note, for those who are in Christ Jesus. That in and of itself is quite a statement. The Bible says that those who are in Christ Jesus have no legal blame against them for their sin. There is now no condemnation against them. If you understand that, we can say amen and go home right now. Oh, some of you say, yeah, that's a great idea, Pastor. You can just save a lot of wind there, you know. The truth of the matter, that is one of the great verses in Scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation. No legal blame from God for those who are in Christ Jesus. It says in verse 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Death meaning not physical death. We're all going to die in here, unless the Lord comes back before that. But we're all going to die. No, he's talking about a a spiritual death, a separation from God. And that is a place that none of us want to be. In a nutshell, this is the great news of Easter Sunday. For those who trust in Jesus Christ have been set free from the law of sin and death. In plain language, I know it's not nice to say things like this, but you have been set free from hell itself. says in verse 3, For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh. In other words, this here, the Bible, the law of God, by itself cannot save you. The law of God was written, basically, to show you and me how wretched we are. What Paul said of himself, wretched man that I am, who's going to set me free from this body of death? This cannot save you. Jesus Christ saves. Jesus Christ is the one, yes, who went to the cross willfully, shed his blood for all of us, and then died and then rose again from the dead three days later. Hallelujah, he is risen. He is risen indeed. He rose from the dead so as to take away sin from those who trust and believe in him. It says, for what the law, verse 3, But what the law could not do, weak as it was, God did. Isn't that great? God stepped up and says, this can't save you. Your flesh can't save you. In other words, you can't do enough good works to save yourself. None of us can. We can't do good enough. So how can we be saved? How can we know that Christ is in us? well God did it God did it by sending it says at the end of verse 3 by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh in other words he sent God did his son Jesus Christ to this earth in the likeness of sinful flesh to die for us that's happy Easter to be a verse 3 it ends by saying to be an offering for sin to die upon the cross And then to raise himself from the dead. He, it says, condemned sin in your flesh. If you are in Christ Jesus. Now the Bible itself is a book that offers the good news of Jesus Christ. The Bible offers the good news of salvation from sin. To those who trust in Christ through faith. But the Bible also is a book that presents the bad news of condemnation for sin against those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ. There's no single book written, there's no collection of writings written that proclaims so completely and so vividly the desperate situation of mankind. Someone who tries to live a life righteously apart from God. And if they have a conscience at all, they hopefully and hopelessly try to separate themselves from their own sin so as to get right, to find peace with God. And the Bible says, apart from Jesus Christ, that is impossible. You can't do it. So the Bible says, we are condemned, lost. But the Bible also says, that Jesus Christ took upon Himself our sin upon the cross and with His resurrection, Easter Sunday, He defeated death, He defeated sin, He defeated hell for all who would believe in Him. That's what verse 1 means. There is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus if the bible is true and if how i explained this part of scripture is true i would say this is a pretty important question to answer to know for certain are you in Christ Jesus it's important in the old testament there are numerous reasons to 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 n- numerous people to explain that, that fell short, we all have. King David, I'll just use him as an example. In, in, in the 51st Psalm, verse 5, it's said of David, but it can be said of every single one of us who walk this earth. David said, surely I have been a sinner from birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. That's the true statement of all of us. If you doubt that, then you probably have never had children. Because you notice children don't come out saying, Oh, yes, yes, Daddy, yes, Mommy, whatever you say. (laughs) No, they learn no pretty quick. We all do. In verse 10 of Romans chapter 3, it says there are none of us who is righteous, no, not one. And then the 23rd verse in Romans chapter 3 proclaims that all of us, all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. So because of that biblical proclamation, both Old and New Testament, this universal sinfulness is a part of all of us from birth. It places each one of us under God's condemnation, that is, every single one of us except those of us who are in Christ Jesus. For those people, Paul says, we are not under any condemnation. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And so, in a nutshell, this is why we, call, we who call ourselves Christians, rejoice over this time of the year it's a day that we celebrate our lord's resurrection from the dead never to die again to give all of us who believe in him everlasting life heaven forgiveness of our sin now we have been studying through this book and if you're in romans at all with me i want you to show i want to show you some of the promises that this chapter presents dr j Vernon mcgee who is a a biblical scholar who has passed away, he has now been with the Lord for a number of years, uh, wrote a commentary on, on the Bible. He's one of my heroes in the faith. He wrote that this particular chapter, Romans chapter 8, is the crown jewel of the Bible. It is the very place that, that presents the gospel as clearly as possible and presents to mankind how much God loves us. Read with me in this particular book. And if you don't have your, a Bible in front of you, just listen, I will, I will read the verses for you. In verses 5 through 9, Paul uses the word flesh to be comparable to sin to explain those who do not choose to walk with Christ. The word spirit in in these verses, is our faith in Christ. To, to those who have trust in Christ by faith and faith alone. Verse 5, says, Those who are according to the flesh, or sin, have set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, that's faith in Christ, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh, sin, is death. That's, that's a spiritual death, a separation from God. But the mindset on the Spirit, that's faith in Christ, is life and peace. That life is not life here on this earth. That life is eternal life in heaven. That's why I said to you a while ago, I can't wait to, to meet Paul. I believe with all of my heart, because of what Scripture says, not because of who I am, that I will see everlasting life with my Lord and Savior. Verse 7 says, Because the mindset set on the flesh, that is sin, it's hostile towards God. Or it doesn't even subject itself to the law of God, meaning God's Word, because it's not even able to do so. Now watch. Watch what it says about the flesh or sin. The next verse. Listen to it if you don't have a Bible. It says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So being in Christ is... Is tantamount for your salvation, for my salvation. However, it says in verse 9, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed, it says, the spirit of God dwells in you, note the next important words, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So there it is, in Christ. Either you are or you're not. Dr. J. Vernon McGee says you're either a saint or you ain't. There's no middle ground. So perhaps you can see why and how Easter is, is so important to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation. We solely trust in Him for our salvation. How about you? Where are you in this process? Paul goes on to say these most important words in verses 10 and 11. If Christ is in you, note, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, in other words, spiritually, we're we're lost because of our sinfulness. We've all born into this sinfulness. Remember the words of Paul, wretched man that I am, who will set me free? Yet it says the Spirit, in other words, faith in Christ is, The Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, He will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. It's the theme. In you. Isn't that interesting? It's it's not in your church, although it's important to go to a good church. But it's in you. It's an individual decision that you and I must make. And I can't make it for you. I can't say you have to accept Christ or you can't leave this building. I can't do that. It's a step of faith that you must make on your own. Is Christ in you? He who raised Jesus from the dead. The resurrection is the very reason for Easter. It's the very reason for our lives. It's the very reason why we come to church. The great news is there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Now I want to get to uh, some blessings. Watch. Verse 14. We jumped ahead a little bit. Verse 14 says these words, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, children of God, Sons and daughters. Faith in Christ gives you and me the privilege of saying we are children of God Almighty. It says in verse 15, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as children by which you can cry out, Abba, Father. You know what that means? Daddy. You can call God Almighty your daddy. Why? Why? Because, verse 16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit, we are children of God. Notice the confidence that we have because of who we are in Christ Jesus. Paul writes these glorious words for those of us who go through some trials here on this earth, and we all shall. Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that you won't go through some difficulties. We all go through difficulties. Paul writes these words in verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this earth that you are on right now, is not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. He's talking about the glory in heaven. This time of suffering is not to be compared with the glory that we will have in heaven itself. Now you can ask me, what's heaven like? I don't know. Never been there. Never been there. I hear songs about it, walking on streets of gold. If you could see me now, all these beautiful songs. But I don't know what it's like. I can only tell you what I read and that's, it's tough to understand. I can try to explain to you my home, but you won't know it until you see it. Try to explain heaven, but you won't know it until you see it. But I can tell you one thing. Jesus Christ will be there. And He says there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more tears. There will just be joy, rejoicing forever. I want part of that. I do. I want part of that. Now I want to talk to you about the real blessings. If you don't have a Bible, and you can get one, and... I would encourage you to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. I want to read it to you. This is why I think Dr. J. Bernard McGee calls this particular place in Scripture the crown jewel of the Bible. Paul writes, verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? The answer, of course, is no one. No one. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all by allowing him to be nailed to a cross. He who did not spare his own son, delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who is going to bring a charge against God's elect? That's those of us who are in Christ Jesus. God is the one who justifies. In other words, if they're going to bring a, a a case against you. They've got to go to God first. And it's going to happen. Who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised. That's Easter Sunday. Who is at the right hand of God. Who also intercedes. That word means praise for us. Can you imagine? Jesus Christ right now is praying for you. I'll tell you who else is. Behind that curtain over there is a group of people in a room over there that are praying for this service. Praying for me and praying for you. This church wants to be a church that prays. Now Paul brings out the big guns. In verses 35 through 39. He says, who is going to separate you from the love of Jesus Christ? And he gives some examples. Will tribulation or distress or persecution? Will famine, will nakedness, peril, or sword? No, he says, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, Paul writes, we overwhelmingly conquer. I want to read that again. Paul says, for of all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him. Who loves us. And then he says these four words, for I am convinced. Listen folks, if Paul's convinced, I'm convinced. I am convinced, he says, that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing will be able to separate you and me from the love of God. Watch now what Paul says. For the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Easter is all about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And how He has given all eternal life, all of us who have trusted in Him for our Lord and Savior to be our Savior. And what do we get for our belief in Christ Jesus? Just go back to verse 1. It says that there is now no condemnation, no legal blame by God against you for your sin. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Happy Easter. He is risen indeed. Let me just share with you. I understand fully that trying to come to a a place where if you've not heard this before. That you need to be in Christ Jesus. It might be very, very valid. Very valid for you to ask the question, how in the world can I get in Christ Jesus? Didn't he die some 2,000 years ago? How can I do that? That was my question when I came to Christ. When someone shared with me the good news of Jesus Christ, it was not easy for me to say yes. I didn't want to be, first and foremost, I didn't want to be like all those Christians. I mean, they weren't having any fun as far as I could see. And I lived on Hawaii and I lived, and I was having fun. Let's just leave it at that. And I wasn't certain that I wanted to change. But the more and more I investigated my own life, and the more and more I investigated if I were to die, where I what would happen to me? And there was the best trait I had, best trait I had as a human being, was that nobody had to convince me if I died, I was going to go to hell. That was my best trait, folks. That was it, in a nutshell. And the fear of hell drove me to consider my Savior. And on March the 12th, 1973, by the grace of an almighty God, I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior by faith and faith alone and there were no bells that went off, there were no whistles, no drum, no bugler said, da-da-da, he accepted Christ. No, I laid there where I was in Honolulu, Hawaii, in my bed, three o'clock in the afternoon, and I I just thanked the Lord and then said, now what did I do? Because the one thing I knew about myself was if I was going to accept Him, I was going to try to live for him. And I didn't want to be one of those people that just was up here one week and down there the next. I came to Christ and Christ now lives in me. I'm not special. We've learned at this church the pastor's not special. We're all the same here. We're all in this together, trying to understand and find out what it is that we believe and how can we grow and mature in our faith. That's what we're trying to do here. And so if you're skeptical, I understand. I completely get it. I I understand. All I can say is, come back, if you would. Help us uh, help you or let us help you to understand the Bible a little more. Let us help you to to know what it is that that you need to believe and trust in so that you can very, very assuredly, as best you can, know that Christ is in you. It's everything to us. It's everything to us. That you would know the Lord. And so I pray that um, what the Lord might have said to you this morning would be a would be real, that you might um, consider the very essence of who is Christ in your life. I don't know what else to say. I'm pretty much out of words. I can say this with all assurance. I love you with all my heart. I know you say, well, you don't even know me. I get it. I know. I've I've been approached by people before coming up to me and say, how can you tell me you love me? You don't even know me. And I just just love you by faith. I do. And you helped me to become a better man by forcing me to study the Bible so that I could teach again next week. I have no idea what I'm going to say next week. I have to go home and study. So thank you for that. I love you for it. If you have any questions, I'm going to be here. I'll just wait up here, and if you want to come up and and talk to me, you can. Uh, By the way, are we having food back? back, Are we having food in between these services? We are? We got breakfast. (laughs) So not everything's been lost. We got food. Um, If you have any questions, please come and ask. I'll, I'll stay here until we have to start the next service at 11. Talk to you about what it means to come to Christ. If there are any other uh, elders or anyone else here who want to be up front with uh, me at, at that, Dan, maybe if you have nothing to do, you can come out. I made mention about the, the, the building. So let's close in prayer. Thank you, Father, for uh, this time. Thank you for every person that's here. We are honored, 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 Father, that they would come this morning and, and celebrate Easter Sunday with us. It is a, a very important time of the year for all of us who trust and believe in you. Would you, Father, touch every heart that's here? Let them hear your your still quiet voice within their heart of hearts and come to trust in you. And Lord, I thank you that you brought them here. I pray that you'll bring them back. Uh, that we might be able to teach further the very wonderful truths of Jesus Christ, what the Bible has to say. So bless us. A great Easter for everybody here. I pray they have a wonderful time with their family, their loved ones, their friends. Thank you for those that came that I haven't seen in quite a while. What a blessing. What a blessing to see Bert. Father, he's just a dear friend. I pray you'll bless us all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.